getting it all set up here. All right. <laughs> oh, we're all good. <laughs> all right. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. Sorry, we were just a tad behind. Um, I'm with Rashawn Copeland today. In case you don't know who he is, he's an evangelist. He's a published author with a new book coming out and a medical service officer in the U.S. Army. He's also currently enrolled in seminary at Liberty School I go to, actually. So pretty cool awesome. stuff. How are you? How are you doing today, man? Doing well, Zach. Thank you so much for having me, bro. I look forward to our time together. Yeah, 100%. Me too. This is going to be a lot of fun. Um, So what we're going to do today, we're just going to talk a little bit about the gospel, the power of the gospel, how it can just like transform your life. If you follow what I do here mostly, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the stuff we're looking at is more the intellectual philosophy, uh, theology, history um, behind Christianity. But I mean, if we don't have if we, if we just know it's true, but we don't experience the power of the gospel, we're really yeah. missing out. So true. That's very true, bro. And uh, I know one thing, yeah, over the time, over the past years, I've been learning more and more. It's just simply about knowing him, loving him, and obeying him. It gets down to those three things. And it's really, you know, that's really what it gets down to for me. Yeah, amen, amen. Um, so just to start off a little bit, could you share some of your testimony, kind of how you got to where you are today? Definitely. So years ago, bro, I mean, I grew up sort of in a, a secular home, but we did have this little uh, religious style, you know, uh, background as far as my parents. My mom was Baptist. My dad was actually uh, practicing Muslim, uh, you know, Islam. And, and what he was literally trying to do was trying to convert my mom and my mom was trying to convert him. There was like a wrestling match between the two. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, needless to say, they realized it wasn't much power, you know, for them to change their lives in either one of those things. And uh, I just remember there being a time where, you know, in our home, it was a lot, you know, we're pretty decent morally. Uh, I thought I was good in my own eyes and, and different things like that. But fast forward, you know, when I got started getting into high school and I started getting exposed to like, you know, drugs, sex, uh, every every single thing else, pornography, like I just fell in love with, you know, all those things that this world had to offer me. And I was basically under the yoke of this world, you know, uh, indulging and doging and doging and sin. I loved it. And I ended up one night, senior year, it was the first defining moment of my life. I got shot down and I was left for dead. And that was the first time I was like, really, my eyes were open uh, to the truth. One, that I'm a fragile, futile human being that will have to cross over into eternity one day to meet my creator. It started becoming really real to me. And uh, at that point, I just started examining uh, one of my life. And needless to say, I I would call myself a false convert around that time because I went and dabbled back in the world or either a prodigal son. I don't know which one, but um, I ended up uh, a few years later going back and you know, in, into the world when I got in college because I didn't have believers around me. No one seen Jesus as the cool thing or cool one uh, to be with, which, you know, conviction over cool, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, I didn't have any conviction. So that's pretty much in a nutshell, you know, as far as early off in my life and how that went. I played football in college. I seen you had an NFL guy on your podcast. <laughs> yeah, Mike DeVito. Yeah, that was really cool. I got to hear your guys' conversation, which I absolutely love, love, love what you're doing, bro, through your platform. And, you know, God's doing some phenomenal things through you, bro. And I just want to let you know that. And, uh, yeah, so fast forward, I went to college, bombed out, had another defining moment, 
commissioned to the Army as an officer. And uh, yeah, I met Jesus in LA a little bit later. Hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about how you met Jesus in LA? Okay, sweet, bro. Yeah, so when I was out in Los Angeles, I was basically, you know, doing a lot of things um, as far as in the world. I was an artist, you know, basically doing a hype man type um, deal where I would compliment, you know, different rap artists and be on the stage MCM for them. And I had money, I had cars, I had all this stuff. You know, I had a house in the valley, a G-Wagon, uh, was was literally hype man for a guy named Soldier Boy. I signed a contract to go on tour with him. I had a lot of things going on in the eyes of the world. I was seen as quote unquote what you would call somewhat su successful, right? He made it out of his hometown, you know, his little hometown. He's doing big things type uh, type of thing going on. And I remember though vividly, it was crazy. I was literally as my platform started exploding. I mean, on Vine. You know, I started getting out there with all the big viners and my name started getting out there. But I remember my soul sort of dwindling away. I, that's, that's why I love what Jesus said. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world, but yet lose his soul? Uh, needless to say, you know, my life began to get really messy. And I noticed how much control I didn't have. I mean, people started leaving. Friends started walking out. The girl I was in love with that was at the University of Southern California uh, that I like she was in law school. That was like my dream girl. I had her. She left out, you know, and all I'm left here. I'm stuck in my house in the valley one night sitting in uh, sitting in my bedroom and I'm looking at this G-Wagon, looking at the you know TV screen, looking at everything I have in this house. And yet, why am I yet so empty? You know, you know, in the, I began to question, you know, everything. But needless to say, I went through a battle of depression that night. I went in the other room, grabbed a pistol, and I came back into the room I was in. And I put the pistol in my mouth, and I'm shaking at this point because I'm like, one, two things was on my mind. One, if I were to shoot myself and I don't die, I'll have to basically go through the same thing I was going through, you know, uh, years ago. You know, and that pain is not cool. You know, being shot wrecks havoc on your havoc on your body like you don't know. It's crazy. <laughs> Um, and then the other end was like, am I ready to meet God? Am I ready to meet the one and true God, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? And uh, at that point, um, needless to say, I cried out to him. Uh, and what was wild about that, I seen a young girl, you know, uh, well, my phone lit up and it was a young girl. The only Christian girl I was following uh, had posted a verse um, and it was so timely. It said, oh, how wide, how deep, how vast the love of God is. And nothing in all creation can separate us from this love that's found in Christ Jesus. And when I was reading, I was weeping, began to cry out to the Lord like I never knew before. I, I, I just, yeah, it changed everything, brother. And I, I turned my life, you know, it was the power of the gospel, you know, uh, I believe that really set me free. I, I think it was Jesus said, John uh, 8, 32, um, you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And that young lady was... Yeah, change the trajectory of my life through her sharing the word of God with me in that moment. Amen, man. I appreciate your honesty. Um, definitely that, a lot of stuff going on. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so tell me a little bit. Um, just trying to just get everything I trying to learn about you here. Tell me a little bit about. So you get saved. Um, how did you get to where do you, where you are today? You're writing books. You're in seminary. Um, all that fun stuff. So what kind of what kind of path did you go on after you 
came to know the Lord. Awesome, bro. Well, you know what? Um, after I met the Lord that day, you know, in a single moment, the power of the gospel transformed my life. Like, I mean, it was just night and day. It felt like, of course, you know, the salvation doesn't necessarily mean you're going to, you know, be macho man in the sanctification right away. But what I end up happening, what ended up happening, I get on a bus and I'm, you know, riding back out to, uh, to a Greyhound bus to be exact. I like left everything, got on the Greyhound bus. I'm riding back to, uh, uh, Oklahoma. And, you know, I only knew of one pastor, one church that when I got back in touchdown, um, I was going to devote myself to. So I was trying to think through what does it mean to be a Christian? I didn't know nobody else who was a Christian besides the girl that was in Waco hours away from where I was going. So I'm so confused about this. I'm, I was just going to walk in sort of blindly into the church. And needless to say, I finally get there. I, I, I get out of the car, uh, the, I mean, the bus and uh, I'm laying in my brother's um, in his in his uh, his his room, and I can just remember he showed me he point pointed me out to the U version Bible app, and he started playing this U version Bible app, and I fell in love with the Word of God, and from that point, you know, I got to this verse that said, "Don't forsake fellowship," type thing, and the importance of like different fellowship, you know, you know Ephesians where it talks about. You know, devote yourself, stay stay rooted in, in the body, you know, devote yourself to singing hymns, songs, you know, don't get drunk on this, but get drunk on, you know, the spirit uh, and stuff like that. So I end up, you know, planning, getting planted in the church and I literally just started serving. You know, there was a pastor, you know, needless to say, three months into my time serving, I was like automatically called. I think I'm going to preach. I'm called to preach the gospel. You know, I want to be a preacher on the stage and all this stuff was going on. And I remember, you know, him handing me a broom and he said, get to work, preach to the trees outside at six in the morning and different things like that. Needless to say, fast forward, I started uh, going around in the county jail where my, that was my job. Basically, I started working in the jail and God really gave me a heart to share the gospel there. I used to write personal letters of, of the gospel all across the jail, like 300 times and my fingers were all messed up after I was done. I, I used to write like 300 letters a week almost and, and, and send it out uh, to different uh, inmates in the jail by the grace of God. And I've seen lives, you know, transform, but I also seen people who are super hardened and got cussed out uh, a lot of times to be quite frank, uh, but it was just pretty crazy to see God move. Uh, but needless to say, I end up, you know, getting out of that a little bit later, got an offer to be an online pastor at a church. And I devoted myself to serving people online, becoming a, like an online um, sort of a digital evangelist, so to say. Mm -hmm. um, and I've just been enjoying it since then. I like literally took my platform that I was using for me to use it for the gospel and and it changed everything. Yeah. And yeah, it changed everything, bro. That's amazing. I really appreciate it. Um, so you talk, talk about how it's changing everything. Could you give a little bit, um, just talk a little bit, you don't have to go, obviously don't go into yeah. detail you don't want to talk about. Just talk a little bit about how your life was changed when you kind of accepted and believed in the gospel. Love it. Love it. So one, uh, the moment I started get, you know, sort of my eyes were being open to the truth. It's a lot like Paul, 
uh, I felt like on the road to Damascus and it was like the, the bells from his eyes were like torn. Like, you know, he was exposed, you know, basically his sin and who he was in comparison to Christ, not to other people. You know, he, he used to say, uh, you know, I you know, uh, you know, who are you? Like, you can't boast into nothing. You know, he basically would say, I'm this, I'm the Jew of all, you know, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and, what I was just amazed by is like how that transformation happened in his, in his life. He was just exposed to the truth of who Jesus is and how like sinful he is. And that's what happened for me. I was just, I saw how, how weak and futile and empty I was apart from Christ. And I would give everything up for, for just to live for him and, and to die for him. I'll suffer for him. And I keep telling myself that because I think a day will come where I'll have to suffer for him. You know, if we live for him, we're going to die for him. And, uh, and I just, that's, that's pretty much uh, how I came to be. I was just, I just noticed I was a sinful man in need of a savior. Amen. Appreciate it. Um, so obviously I want to talk to you a little bit about spreading the gospel um, uh -huh. and living in kind of like the day and age, because you've been around, you kind of know, a lot of people probably who aren't uh, believed, aren't saved. So when you're talking with someone who isn't saved, what are some of the challenges that you think that people experience today uh, when share, when spreading the gospel? Uh, some of the challenges, I think, one, the fear of man uh, is huge. I mean, just how, what will people think about me? You know, and it goes back to all about me, me, me. And also another thing is, on the other spectrum, end of the spectrum, it's not insecurity, but pride. You know, I think pride, you know, thinking, you know, I'm good. I don't, you know, I'll just let my life do the preaching and all this and that, you know, and which is fine. I think demonstration is amazing. But uh, the Bible says go out and preach the gospel. I think it's so important that we open up our mouth as well. I, I love uh, what someone said, you know, you know, by all means, preach the gospel, use words if necessary. I love that. But I think it's so important, yeah, that we practically, yeah, walk it out. But we do open up our mouth because there's a sense of urgency, mm -hmm. uh, you know, especially with eternity being at any given moment, someone can cross over. And, you know, the, the, the most unloving thing would do is to allow someone to perish. Not even God wants to see anyone perish, but all to come to a knowledge of him and, you know, repent. So that's what I would say, bro. I think it's the fear of man. And I, I used to be a people pleaser. So you're looking at a guy who I was all about pleasing people. But man, how, how it's terrible, man. I think it was Proverbs that talks about like it's a snare. It's a trap to try to please people all the time. And I get tempted every day, you know, and. Yeah, it's just I don't want my identity caught up in that anymore. So I'm praying that God delivers me day by day from that. Mm, amen. So you talked about a little bit how like before you came to the Lord, you had all this stuff, you know, the house, mm -hmm. the nice car, um, all those things that a lot of people look at is like that's the American dream, you know, having yeah. these nice things. So what would you say to someone who is just happy with or believes they're happy with just their they're like, I need God. Um, I have my job. I'm making enough money. I have what I want. I'm happy. There's no need for a savior. I would say, so honestly, what I would tell that individual, you know, 
I love what the script, I mean, I go back to the word of God because one, that's what I believe. That's where I'm anchored in it. And it's an anchor to my soul. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, that's my hope is in Jesus. And what I'm going to say exactly what he preached. He says, riches and wealth profit nothing on the day of judgment. Like, we're not going to have anything coming with us when we go face this God. You know, the God of the universe, the God who created us. And not from the standpoint of just wanting to scare people, but let me tell you, there's a security in Christ that's far greater than any security this house can offer. This house can be gone tomorrow. You know, that car out there can be gone tomorrow. These clothes, on, you know, even though God's going to provide the clothes and the food and, you know, all this, but... All this stuff is literally futile. It's going to be gone. Don't build your house on the sand where, you know, where literally a storm can come in and beat it up, but build your house on the rock. You know, that's a firm foundation. And, you know, uh, I, I just think it's so important that we get back to that place uh, where we're fully content, content with God. What did Paul say? Godliness with contentment is great gain. You know, you brought nothing in the world. You can take nothing out of it. And I think it's just so important that we hold on to that and grasp that. And I know in America, it's such a gift, though, you know, as well to have, you know, an opportunity to bring people in your home, hospitality. It's not bad to have wealth, but it's bad when your wealth has you. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I think it's just such a, a, a important thing that we as followers of Jesus, we remember uh, that we're called to steward and, and not only, you know, just grudgingly hold on to things just to say we have it and for prideful reasons. Amen, man. Um, so you obviously have this new book coming out called Start Where You Are. Um, yeah. There should be a link in the description to the book if anyone wants to buy it. But um, just if I was going to ask you in just like maybe a minute or two, obviously a, a book's a lot of words, but in, yeah. just in a short, in a short brief statement, how would you describe your book and what's, what it's about? Awesome, brother. Uh, so start where you are is a message that's basically birthed from a place of like if I would have before I came to Christ, if if, if I could have chose someone to give me any book outside of the Bible that can like help me cross the cross that line of faith, I would want something like start where you are. That's just because, of, you know, God's put this on my heart to write. I think it's so important for people to understand, like, you know, God doesn't just work around your mess. He's trying to work in it. He's like literally trying to meet you in your mess. Not only that, the miracle, he wants to love you through it and lead you out of it. And be it anger, that can be your mess. You know, jealousy, you know, pride, lust, you know, uh, you know, having sex out of marriage. All these things could be your mess, but God wants to meet you there. Uh, maybe it's, uh, you know, it was a divorce or something. And our, it doesn't matter what it is. Like God's, the power of the gospel can redeem you and give you you know, literally everything you need uh, to live a godly life. And so needless to say, in a nutshell, it's, it's mercy for your mess, no matter who you are. I think a lot of times we feel like uh, God, uh, God gives us sort of a, a wrong address in life. Like he, he puts us somewhere and we think it's an accident, but it's a, his divine providence. We're in specific places in our life. You know, I think in Acts 17, like, God determined the, the exact place they were going to be at that time. It wasn't, you know, just something where God lost control. We lose control a lot. And that's a good thing because we can go back to the one who's in control, you know? Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. 
And he did that all throughout the Bible, right? Didn't he meet everybody in their mess? Like everybody. But he uses these ordinary people to do extra extraordinary feats for him and for his namesake, for his renown. And I think it's just so important, man, that when we realize that we can't do this alone, that we need a Messiah and a Messiah that will meet us in the middle of our mess, that, that will change everything. And that's what I needed back in the day. Like, help me, Lord. I need your help, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, amen, man. I could just feel your passion from across the screen. Wow. wow. I can really feel wow, it. Bro. So, <laughs> <this is> back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, what would you say to someone? Um, you talked a lot about, like, God just meeting someone in their mess. So just to start off here, let's just say there's someone here who's just struggling a lot with, let's just say like envy, like they just always want more yeah. stuff. They just want more money because they see money is kind of like their way to achieving happiness. Um, it's usually, I think it's something that everyone usually goes through at some point in their life. Um, what would you say to someone who's just like, man, I just keep wanting money. All I want is money and I can't stop it. What would you, how would you, you know, how, how would you explain God meeting them in their mess? I love it. So if like I'm just speaking from the standpoint of how how God's shown me, I need to humble myself, and I need to come before Him with a repentant heart, saying, "Lord, if I truly want change, if I want to be changed, I'm going to go to the throne room, the throne of grace, and I'm going to say, God, I need you. I cannot do this apart from you. Lord, give me a heart. Help me to be a man after Your own heart. Give me eyes to see." what you want me to see, ears to hear what you want me to hear, you know, a, a tongue to speak what you want me to speak. Let me be more like Christ. And I think, you know, another thing, it's kind of hard, you know, one, one mean God in the prayer room, in the throne room with the broken and contrite heart. But number two is taking heed to his word, fall in love with the word of God, because once you start renewing your mind and the truth of God's word, you'll remember things like the spirit of bring up things like, Hey, we're supposed to consider others, you know, more valuable, more worthy than ourselves, you know, and take the, the low way like Jesus did. He didn't he didn't like consider himself, you know, being equal to God, but yet he humbled himself and he made himself obedient to death, even death on the cross. And I think that's so important for us to walk out and live out that way, out, out of the example, by imitating Christ. And that's when things have changed. And we have to have that heart to want to shift, want that trip. Uh, that 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 sort of that shift in our life, that pivot, but it, it yeah, it comes with a broken heart. So we got to just cry out to him honestly and transparently. Mm, yeah, I think that's a really good way of putting it. Um, so how would obviously we talked a lot of like we have our pride. Um, pride's obviously one of the. I think about it. It's just it's, it can really consume us. Our pride. Yeah, um, sure. So. How do we, I think we've talked about, you talked about it a little bit here, but how do we really focus on trying to remove that pride in our lives? Mm, Brother, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I think it's so important to see yourself in light of who you are and who he is. When we see ourselves, how, how, how we truly are, is just dirt that was bred into the breath of life by the, this holy, omnipotent, omniscient God who's infinite in wisdom and knowledge and understanding. When we see ourselves and measure up ourselves to him and have this reverence, our pride is going to be gone quick, you know? <laughs> our pride yeah. will go out the door quickly, you know, especially if you just 
you have to continue. We just have to continue to uh, examine ourselves, as Paul says, see if we're still in the faith, you know, uh, and, and, and yeah, you, and remember the goodness, the good stuff that comes out of even, you know, just being a man of humility, humility become comes before honor, but pride comes before the fall. If we want to go down a destructive path and what is it to know the truth and then, you know, you know, go away from it, you know, like it's just so important. If we're in the word, renewing our minds, it's easy to stay humble. I mean, you know, of course we have these natural inclinations, but that, that want us to go the pride route and, you know, ride that ride. But at the end of the day, woo, if, yeah, we got to stay faithful instead of fruitful. I, I think mm-hmm. a lot of us want to be really fruitful, talk about me, me, me. But yeah, at the end of the day, who are we? You know, we're just, uh, you know, grass, the human glory withers and fades, but it's the word of the Lord that shall stand forever and have it in that perspective. Yeah, amen. Yeah, one of the things that I was just thinking of while you were talking is in, it's like Isaiah 4, 5, 6. It's somewhere in the early chapters of Isaiah where Isaiah enters the throne room of God and then mm. it's just like, holy, holy, holy is the Ooh. Lord God Almighty. It's just like, you just can't, I just can't imagine that, like, you know, just like, just realizing how like low, like little we are compared yeah. to the, the power of God. So good. It's so true, brother. Mm-hmm. Um. So obviously we live in a world that, and I think we've seen this with all everything going on. It can be very hateful at times. Um. And I think it's obviously, it's very, it's very easy to get drawn into that hate. Um. Yeah. It's easy. I just. I look at the world um, and I just see everyone pointing figures at each other, trying to blame each other for the mess. That's really all of our faults. Yeah. Um, so how, I know you talk about this a little bit in your book, I believe. Um, how we be loving in a world that's just so full of hate for one another, just blame, things wow. like that, you know? So good. Um, bro, I love that you asked that question because I'm constantly uh, sort of, you know, going back to this place where, you know, I'm, I'm remembering, you know, the life of Jesus one, but it sort of goes back to this idea, like, and I think it's a truth. It's not just an idea, but we're never going to control anything, be able to control people and things and circumstances outside of us. But if we want to see revival, it starts in us. It's like wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead and the light of Christ will shine in you or on you. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's so important that we begin to look within ourselves, you know, for he that is in me is greater than he that is in this world and allow perfect love to cast out our fear for, you know, from this world. You know, I think it's so important, you know, cause I, one, it starts with attitude. I always go back to the book of, you know, Philippians I, because look at Paul's attitude. He's locked down in a prison, chained to a Roman soldier, you know, and it's probably one of the most joyful books in the Bible with some of the most darkest sort of, you know, tensions happening within the story. And and here goes Paul completely showing how he has victory over darkness. You know what I'm saying? And he's doing it in such a way where it's his attitude. I think what he wrote, like, think on things that are pure, that are good, that are holy, that are you know, that are profitable, all these things, think on these things and a God of peace will be with you. Like, and I think it's a mindset. And in the morning, before we wake up and go out into this crazy world, when we come and get our clothes on and, you know, get ready, we're so quick to throw on an outfit, but the Bible says be clothed in kindness. 
You know, we, we love to put on the physical outfit, but we're missing the spiritual, you know, thing that God has been wanting, you know, to let us know, hey, I gave you my spirit, now be led by him. You know, so it's like, yeah. Yeah, I totally got you, man. Um, something similar on those lines, a lot of people, uh, I'm sure people said this about you, when someone's saved, they give their life to Christ, there's this transformation in their lives, like, Things just change the way they act, the way they look at things, just like this total transformation that we can see through the amazing power of the gospel. So how do we, um, what are some practical steps we can look at that kind of just like for someone who's maybe new to being saved or they're just trying, they're looking for that transformation in their lives where they just can love people differently. They can just act differently. And obviously you're talking about this a little bit here, but how do we do that? How do we develop a strong character? A strong character as far as, uh, you know, just day to day in our Christian walk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Love it. Uh, the, I'll give you three C's. First, content. You know, I think it was Psalms 1. Blessed are those who do not walk in step with the wicked, nor sit in the place where sinners take or the place where mockers, scorners sit. But blessed are those who delight in the laws of the Lord all the days of their life. Then they'll be prosperous and successful and all they do, they'll be like a tree planted beside a stream that will flourish, you know, and that's not so for the wicked, but the wicked is snuffed out. You know what I'm saying? Stuff like that. But what's important, content, renewing ourselves in the truth, you know, truth transforms us. And if we want to grow in character, we have to allow ourselves to be open up uh, to that truth. Uh, but number two is conduct, you know, conducting ourselves, not only preaching, but practicing out, walking it out. I, I had a season in my life, I was saying one thing and I was doing another. And you know what I'm saying? And, you know, there's little areas in my life the enemy would tempt me to sort of try to be inauthentic, not be real about what God's, you know, convicted me to do. But at the end of the day, I'm here to please him and not the world, not people, uh, but please God. And, and I think it's going back to that. So so conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Number three, I would say, yeah, that builds character. I think that third word is character. And, you know, character, am I the same person at 2 p.m. that I am at 2 a.m.? Or am I like switching up? Or am I like a chameleon? You know, I'm smiling and I'm joyful and, you know, saying all these different things in one place. But deep down, you know, I'm just not being real with myself about who I am. I'm living in darkness. I'm, yeah. Am I doing that? So it's weighing those in, you know, and, and I think it's so important to keep that in mind, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. I think one of the biggest detriments that keep people from Christianity sometimes is those people who will say that um, they're a Christian, that they're following Christ, but then you see them out mm. doing things that they should never do. And I mean, Obviously, we all mess up, but the hypocrisies of really can really stumble someone when they're just trying to understand Christianity. So true. I would rather someone like in Christ would rather this too. God Himself would rather you know someone be a hundred percent transparent and real than than be try to be right in the eyes of men and be fake in you know behind scenes. You know what I'm saying in front of men. So. Um, yeah, man, I think it's just so important. I'm so glad you asked that question. It, it definitely is something much needed in our generation. Yeah, I think we live in a generation that craves authenticity. They're looking for things that are real, people who are real. And I think a lot of the times it's just hard to find realness. Um, yeah, so true.
So true, mm -hmm. bro. Yeah. So another question here. Um, how do you choose to rejoice when th it's easy to be negative? Like we have so many, we all have so many things we could be down about. We could complain about, you know, all these negative things that we could talk about in our lives. But how do you choose to just rejoice through any trial? Man. So what's amazing, like I literally, I want to be driven by eternity. That's my chief objective. If I think of two people, I think of uh, Solomon, one of the wisest men that ever walked the planet. Outside of Jesus, he was the wisest, right? But I love what he said. I love the nugget that he left us with. One of the main things he said, meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. And, and I, I always think about like, why would I get so caught up in what, what, what's happening, the affairs of this world that I miss out the amazing thing that's to come in eternity, you know, and I'm trying to keep my eyes fixed on just like Jesus. Uh, he was like, you know, basically in the Hebrews, I want to say he was going about to, you know, scorning his shame. You know, his eyes were fixed, you know, you know, past the cross. It was the joy that was set before him that allowed him to endure the cross. So in the middle of the negativity, just to be quite honest, and sometimes it's harder, you know, like, I all the time have people who I love dearly, um, you know, not necessarily my wife all the time, you know what I'm saying? But mm -hmm. people outside of my wife and the, where I, in my mind, would be like, why are you being negative? Why are you acting like that? I'm just, why are you lashing out, you know, and things like that. But if we don't lean in, we have to lean into the presence of God when people are lashing out. We got to understand that, that, um, yeah, that we have a friend, we have a helper, which is the Holy Spirit that's here to navigate us through those circumstances. And uh, yeah, and I think what, what was it, Paul? Rejoice, always rejoice. That wasn't just a suggestion, it was a command. And and that's what I'm trying, you know, every single day to do by keeping my eyes fixed on Christ and what's to come, you know, eternal promises. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. I think one of the things that comes to my mind um, talking about this is Paul, um, in Philippians, where he talks about like he knows what it is to be in need, he knows what it is to be content, to be um. Yeah. Oh man, I just totally forgot it. But you know, it's it's there right before Philippians four thirteen, and he's just talking about just like through everything, I'm content. He had Paul reminds me he just had his eyes on Christ. That was his most important wow. thing. Come on, it's changed his life. Come on, brother, that's a good word. That's so good. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. Um, okay, so that's the all of the questions regarding just like, kind of like you, your ministry, what I kind of picked up from what you've been looking at. Um, one thing I did, I'm curious about is, so I saw you do Snapchat sermons. Yeah, I, I, I was doing them really hard. Now I'm doing a lot of TikTok, sharing the gospel and stuff. So what is that? So I have a friend that's on TikTok doing this, a similar thing with the gospel. He is like, he's, getting sort of famous like he has like oh. in a worldly sense obviously that's not what matters and it's not what yeah, matters to true. him but what does that look like for you because tiktok's such an interest i'm not i don't like tiktok it's not my thing but what does that look like sharing the gospel on tiktok so what's cool about tiktok honestly is that it reminds me a lot about vine but tiktok gives you an opportunity to engage the next generation real time authentically in a way that uh, will connect with them and give them hope. Because there's so many just terrible 
negative, crazy things on TikTok. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I'm sorry for any moms or parents who are listening to this that are going to take their kids TikTok away. But now there's also really good life given. Of course, you have the good, the bad, the ugly, the indifferent. But one thing that I'm getting from it is that you can truly use TikTok for a way to advance the gospel, to to advance the mission of Jesus. And and one thing that I'm noticing more and more is when I go out into places people barely ever want to go, which is the places of poverty where the poor are in, you know, really, you know, spend time ministering, loving on them, getting their stories. I'm seeing so much transformation and impact, not only in the people watching on the screen, but and the people I'm sitting down with and, and loving on and listening to, because all they want is one to be seen, to be heard, to be known. That's every human desire. But once you get that seed and you plant that seed, that gospel, man, I've seen guys who have had heart, hardened hearts, you know, where I started a video and I'm doing it for like 60 seconds. And then, you know, after the 60 seconds, I'm there for another 60 minutes, just sharing about Jesus, but literally listening and hearing what the Lord is telling me about their lives. And just the impact is crazy. The good news, yeah, came to bring, you know, so much, meet so much that many of their desperate needs. Uh, and and not only what they're ne- they need now, but the eternal need, which is everlasting life. And it's just been beautiful, bro. Amen. That's great to hear. So what have you found effective um, for ministering on like TikTok? Uh, so what I found very effective is one, I think it's Romans uh, 1.16. Uh, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of salvation to everyone who believes. First the Jews, then the, the Greek. But I think what's so important is when you go out there boldly, but in a way that is humble and you you speak with patience with the people out there and, and literally not to, um, not to say that the words that you say are going to be the power because the spirit does the conviction. But, um, you know, I, I really think just allowing God to use you. That's what I've seen very effective. Just being available, uh, is the biggest thing. It's not about your ability, but your availability when it comes to going out there, sharing the gospel and by the means of TikTok in, and not only just TikTok, but spending time TikTok with the clock, you know, 60 minutes mm-hmm. after the TikTok done. That's been effective in in, in opening myself up uh, to them as well so they can hear me and know me. I've met over, I've met hundreds this year across my city that I did not know their name and I know them by name now. And, and that's one thing that I'm believing God uh, will continue to just, you know, give me that desire to go serve and love on the home, you know, those who don't have a home. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing, man. That's amazing. I know um my friend who does TikTok, he's done Christian TikToks for a little bit now. He talks about all these people who really just bring him his pro their problems, like they'll like message him through like Instagram or something like that. And they're just like they need someone to talk to. Like, and I think that's something that's amazing about what some Christians, including yourself, are doing on TikTok is you're just some people just need someone to talk to. And I think yeah. that's great that you're doing something like that. So true. Yeah, yeah, so true. I, I mean, praise God. It's all glory to God. Because at the beginning of this year, whenever he put that on my heart, oh, no. I did not want to do do it. I think it's like Ray Comfort, new book coming out. Anybody but me. 
I don't want to do it. <laughs> but <laughs> I think it's so important um, in the middle of our discouragement, in the middle of the things that are distracting us, in the middle of our doubt, God is desperately, I mean, he's jealously longing, James says, for the spirit he's allowed to dwell in us. You know, he wants to be our strength in our weakness. He wants to use us, but we have to be meek. We have to be humble and ready uh, to do what he's calling us to do. And some days I don't feel like that, but mm -hmm. uh, we got to live by faith, but not by feelings. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love your enthusiasm. Um, that's everything I had um, written down. Do you have anything you want to add before we start to wrap things up here? Yeah, yeah, I would uh, definitely just like, Zach, thank you, bro. I just want to really say thank you for this opportunity. I'm so glad you reached out to me. And where are you from, by the way? I'm in PA right now. Oh, Pennsylvania? Pennsylvania? Yes, sir. Ooh, bro, I remember out there, I'll hit you up. And <laughs> awesome. But for those who are listening, I would just encourage you guys. Uh, yeah, just you're not too dirty for God. You're not too far to be reached. You're not too dirty to be cleansed. You're not too broken to be fixed. You're not too dirty to be loved. And I, I just want to tell you that because, you know, Jesus didn't come for people who have it all together. He came for the sick, those who need a doctor. And uh, listen, hey, run to him, run to him. He loves you so much. And I know you hear that a lot, but truly, truly let that thing, like Paul said, I hope that you are rooted and established in this love to know how wide, how deep, how vast, you know, in growing the knowledge of this God, this love. So, man, I love you guys. And thank you for having me, Zach. And if there's any more questions you got, bro, I just wanted to leave someone in there out there right now needs just that little encouragement to, to come back to the father, come back home. And I want to encourage them with that. So mm -hmm. he's not, Amen. He, didn't, he didn't leave you. Amen. He's never too far gone. I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. It's a good word. Um, so that's it. That's all we got. It's, this is Rashawn Copeland. I appreciate you for joining me, my man. Um, I have all of those links to all of his social medias and his new book coming out. It's all in the description. Um, if you want to follow us at here in apologetics, I got, you know, you're here, so you know where I am and yeah. I have all my links, have my Patreon. If you want to support us, we're trying to get part-time that's in the description. That's everything. I thank you so much for your time, man. I appreciate it. Awesome. Zach. Thank you, brother. God bless you and your ministry. I know we'll connect more. Of course. Anytime, man. God bless.